Hello and welcome to the Strength of Thought channel and this week's episode of the Info Hit. Today we have a plethora of information from Canadian and American politics. Uh, I will be talking about the economic policies that uh, the Liberals are proposing, uh, the Canadian Liberals that is. I'll be talking about uh, where we are in the, ele- uh, the U.S. election process and much more. So come with me to get your dose of info. So first topic of the day, the Canadian Liberals, the federal Liberals, have given the Canadian people a fiscal update and they're telling us what their plan is for the future and what their plan is to rejuvenate the economy. And uh, to be honest, the plan kind of sucks because it's barely a plan and uh, whatever plan there is, it, uh, it sucks. So what am I talking about and what is what, what did they say, you know? So after dancing around the whole, all, basically all questions during question period, during a, a, any conversation in the house whatsoever, after dancing around any uh, economic topic for like months on end, Christia Freeland and the Liberals finally decided to uh, talk about the deficit and their economic plan for the future. So obviously every country is going through some economic woes because of the coronavirus. Uh, and it's very interesting to see how the, the Canadian liberals, how the Canadian liberals think they will be able to rejuvenate the economy. Now, common sense, uh, a non idiot would think, okay, well, you gotta, we get people back to work, uh, and you gotta let, businesses help rejuvenate the economy that's not exactly what the federal liberals want because they're not exactly the party of common sense they're not exactly the party of sense so uh the the big thing the big takeaway the biggest takeaway from this is the deficit and the deficit uh in this fiscal year is projected to be to 381.6 billion dollars and that's only if all goes well, because worst case scenario is $398.7 billion. So best case scenario, $381.6 billion. Uh, we're probably not going to get the best case scenario because A, the liberals like to spend a lot. And B, we're kind of hitting record highs like on day to day. Ontario is like nearing 2,000 cases a day. Quebec isn't doing good. The maritime provinces aren't doing good. BC's not. Nobody is doing good. And uh, if this keeps up, we're probably going to be closer to that 398 number rather than that 281 number. Would I like to see the deficit be lower? Of course. I'm not a psychopath. I don't want to see like the worst thing for my country. But, mm, mm, I mean, if we look at history... Like, I'm, I'm a firm believer that history doesn't exactly repeat itself, but it rhymes. Uh, but if we look in the past and see what Justin Trudeau and the liberals have been have done in the past, they've said, oh, we're going to uh, reach this number. Uh, we're going to have a surplus and we're in a deficit or where they say, oh, the deficit is only going to be 10 billion. It's like double that. So I wouldn't really trust what uh, the liberals have to say. I wouldn't trust what Christia Freeland has to say when it comes to uh, the best case scenario because we're more than likely not going to get the best case scenario. Now, this deficit is quite large 
And it didn't have to be this way. So the liberals, they've, they've gone through just excessive spending for the past five years that they've had the prime, prime ministership. And um, they put us in this situation. And as I said, it didn't have to be this way. So in 2015, Justin Trudeau came in and he said, look, we're going to be running a deficit for two years. And then in 2018, uh, w- there won't be a deficit. You know, there's going to be a surplus. That was a lie. And in 2019, that was a lie. And all this deficit spending has put us in a situation where we don't have the, where the federal government doesn't have the, the economic freedom to spend on certain programs that we, we should be spending on. You know, some businesses have to uh, close down and they have to diminish their capacities and th- they should be compensated. The people should be compensated. And uh, it's, you're kind of kneecapping your ability to compensate people when you when when you're already in a deficit going into a crisis you don't want to be in a deficit going into a crisis you want to be doing well uh you you want your budget to be balanced uh when when for the potential of a crisis for the potential of a recession and a depression for the potential of well something like this like covid-19 you don't know what's going to happen in good times you're not supposed to spend out the wazoo but that is exactly what the liberals have done with their excessive uh, spending you know, what happened to the surplus in 2018? Uh, that, well, that didn't happen. Justin Trudeau said budgets balance, them, balance themselves. Obviously not. So yeah, spending during these current times is necessary, you know. If you're displacing someone out of their work, if you're displacing someone who works at a restaurant, at a club, at a bar, uh, someone who's like, who works in the tourism, uh, tur- tourism industry and the travel industry, you're displacing all these people out of work. And you can't just displace someone out of work and not compensate them for that. You can't just say, yeah, you can't work anymore. You can't make any income. And uh, we're not going to help you for that without that either. You know, that would just be government neglect. Uh, that isn't what conservatives of any sort should or, and really are advocating for. Because uh, that's just not caring for your people whatsoever. And that is not what a uh, federal government should be doing. A federal government definitely should be compensating for people. Uh, they should be compensating for what is necessary. Um, but yeah, but we could have definitely, ha- the federal government could have definitely had a lot more wiggle, wiggle room uh, when it came to spending, when it came to helping people out. But really, for the past four years, they've they perpetually just shoved an ice pick through their foot. You know, just, it wasn't like really shooting themselves in a the foot, you know, nice and quick. It was slowly shoving an ice pick right through through their hand in this scenario because I'm raising up my hand but really slowly shoving an ice pick right through their foot for a nice four years so that during times uh, times of trouble you know we they, they can't they don't have the financial flexibility that we could have had so yes obviously people do need to be compensated but what is the government doing what exactly did Christia Freeland and Justin Trudeau say uh, well they said a lot uh, a lot of it was just jargon. A lot of it is, oh, we're in a crisis and people need help. And it was a lot of um, buffer. It was a lot of filler. And it was a lot of uh, kind of po- political dishonesty, if you will. It's a lot of liberal talk. Um, you know, last week I said Justin Trudeau is a lying, uh, highly lying, highly dishonest man. And uh, he has a way with words, that's for sure. And generally, liberal politicians have ways with words. They, they are 
they are magicians when it comes to avoiding answers to questions. You know, you could get you could have a yes or no answer, and they would find some way to string along this whole long ass uh, answer, to and it completely avoids the question. But yeah, so what are some of the the, the dumber things that uh, that were mentioned during uh, during this address address to the house? Well. Uh, the government is contributing money to people who are working from home uh, up to $400. So that is a little weird. You know, if you normally work in an office and so you get paid $25 an hour and now you have to work at home and you're getting paid $25 an hour, you're going to get paid uh, $400 by the federal government. For what reason? Mm, yeah, we don't really know. You know, working from home, it isn't, you know, being displaced from your job. Well, it's being displaced in terms of location, but location doesn't really matter. As long as you're getting paid, as long as you're employed, then you should be fine. I don't know why the government is offering uh, extra financial support to these people. What you really should be focusing on is the people who actually need it. You know, maybe you don't have to spend as much as you're proposing right now with useless well, I'm going to say useless because people technically would be benefiting from this, but in the broader in the broader conversation, you shouldn't really be focusing on people working from home because people do that normally. That's a very normal thing, especially in 2020. Even before the the pandemic, working from home was a very normal thing. I know a lot of people, or a lot of people's, uh, a lot of friends and a lot of family friends who work from home, and it was a very normal thing. Are are they going to get? The, the, the potential for $400, they shouldn't. Uh, I don't believe that your location should determine whether or not you get uh, aid, you get financial aid from the federal government. And as I said, you could be contri contributing this money to other areas, to more important things. So yeah, people are just working in a different setting. It doesn't make sense. Whatever. So the federal government is also uh, being forced to shell out billions of dollars to businesses uh, that are currently closed uh, when a lot of them don't have to be. Well, not exactly the federal government doesn't have to pay them, but these businesses don't have to be closed. I already told, I already mentioned in the previous podcast that a lot of these lockdowns are excessive and don't really make a whole lot of sense. I believe the Toronto mayor uh, said that uh, indoor outdoor dining has to be done in like these little bubbles uh, that don't really make any sense, uh, especially even during the winter. Uh, indoor dining is not allowed. You have to do it outdoors, and it's December, and in Canada, it's really cold. Um, I'm not a really a fan of the cold, and uh, it's like negative one. So that's not fun, and I'm not going to be dining outdoors. Uh, a lot of places, malls aren't open, and it's just really excessive. It's displacing a lot of people uh, from work, and it's really, uh, it's really having a very... It's having an extremely negative impact on a lot of businesses. Uh, thousands of businesses are expected to go to business. Upwards of 35,000 businesses are expected to shut down. And that's a conservative estimate. That's a lowball. Okay. So these, lockdown, these lockdowns, what premiers and mayors should be doing is opening up. But they're cowardly. They don't... They, they, they're feeding off the political expediency of uh, locking down uh, businesses because it is expedient right now, but in the long term, you're going to be helping way far more people. Um, you're going to be helping far more people in the long term than what you're doing right now, and even in the short term, because businesses are closing down left, right, and center permanently. 
So yeah, these premiers and mayors definitely cowards, and uh, the federal government wouldn't have to be having to shell out as much money to to be supporting these businesses that can't be open right now. But they are being forced to shell out a ton of money, which f- from from what they what they have to do, from what their obligation to the Canadian people is, it is it makes sense. It makes sense during the during during the circumstances that they're being uh, put in, and that we are all. Uh, being put in so yeah also um, the federal government they are committed to tax Canadians even more that is right we are in a pandemic we are in a situation where people are having financial concerns they are really pinched for pennies they are having a tough time paying their bills and um, the government wants to tax people more but they're not really saying that outright they're trying to mask this this tax by saying they're taxing uh, multinational corporations, but that is simply just not the case. So the federal government uh, wants to uh, make sure make it so that multinational digital enterprises have to uh, cough up HST and GST charges. Um, but the thing is that HST and GST charges go on the consumer. Say this can of delicious sparkling water, bubbly, uh, is a $1, right? And for each dollar, your tax HSD GST 13%. That is what it is here in Ontario, okay? 13%. So I have to, I have to pay $1.13. If I, if I bought this from Walmart, it's not, I'm not buying this for $1 and then Walmart has to foot 13%. No, it's going to be $1.13, I pay the extra $0.13, Walmart keeps their dollar, and the federal government uh, gets the $0.13. So, for for them to to frame this, the adding of HSD, GST charges for these digital enterprises as a tax on the big businesses to level the playing field, it is beyond stupid. It is dishonest it doesn't make any sense whatsoever and you're just harming canadians you know you're not putting a dent into the profits of these multinational uh, corporations which you shouldn't even really be trying to do you want them to succeed because it helps because these these businesses help to enrich the lives of canadians and enrich the lives of people not just in canada but everywhere so you shouldn't really be trying to harm these businesses but in the attempt to harm these businesses, you're not actually doing that. You're just raising the prices on Canadian consumers more than you really should be. Because, you know, we're in a pandemic and you shouldn't really be trying to make Canadians pay more. Which, nah, kind of really irritated me. And it really irritated me because I pay for Spotify and now I'm going to have to pay more for Spotify. God damn it, government. Just leave me alone. I pay for the Spotify family plan and I pay $15. It's $15 and I pay $15 flat. Now I'm going to have to pay like $16, $17, whatever. I'm not going to do the math right now. But that's a little annoying. That's a little aggravating. Um, But for people uh, that are subscribed or uh, go through transactions that cost a lot more, it's going to hurt them a lot more. So yeah, federal government being idiots as always. So the liberals are also trying to convince us that in the 2021-2022 fiscal year that the deficit w- won't be 
uh, what it is, what, or even close to it, what it is right now, or what is estimated to be right now, which is, uh, to remind you, 381.6, uh, best estimate, 398.7, uh, at the more realistic and doom and gloom uh, look at it, I would say the realistic uh, take, but 381, for argument's sake, right? So the liberals are trying to convince us that by the 2021-2022 fiscal year, the deficit will be only between 121 and $136 billion, 121 being the, the liberal estimate and the $136 uh, billion being the more realistic estimate. But even still, I don't think that is very realistic because, once again, we go back in history, we go back in time to see what the liberals have done, and um, it's not really making uh, deficits shrink that's not what they're good at right Shaquille O'Neal is not good at shooting three-pointers Justin Trudeau is not good at making deficits shrink okay so 121 to 136 billion by 2021-2022 that I think is a crock of shit you know, I think sure maybe he the the deficit does shrink uh some hundred billion it may be in like the two hundred something uh, that estimate of hundred thirty six that's I think that's just a blatant act of deception. I believe that's deception because well they provided zero plan for how they're gonna do this. They just tossed out the one thirty one three eight one. They tossed out one two one billion. And they said, how are we going to get from 1381 or 381 to 121? Well, magic. It's liberal magic. But the thing is, liberal magic isn't exactly magic. It's black magic. And it makes deficits uh, go up, not go down, which is amazing. So, yeah, just magic. Also, Christia Freeland uh, tries to make the deficit out to be something that we shouldn't be concerned about. Uh, or not necessarily the deficit, but the national debt. Um, the national debt was estimated to be $1.2 trillion in July, but real, the realistic uh, estimates for this fiscal year is $1.4 trillion, which isn't really good. That is about, that's above 55% of the national GDP, which, Chris, you, you know, are, that, that, Christia Freeline tries to frame this as not a bad thing because our uh, GDP, our debt-to-GDP ratio is the lowest in the G7. However, we are not similar to a lot of the economies in the G7. Well, we are because we're democratic societies, but we're not like the U.S., who is just the economic juggernaut, who is like the hub for like everything in the world. And we're not like Japan, who that debt is... Uh, that, de- that debt mostly falls on the shoulder of their citizens. That debt is really, a lot of it, at the hands of the government. So yeah, that debt is not not the same. And uh, if you recall, or I personally don't recall, but I do a lot of reading and whatever, and in 1996, the GDP or the debt-to-GDP ratio was about 67%, and that's where we had... uh, the federal government had a financial crisis, right? So we're getting up there. We're getting close. And um, hopefully we'll be able to turn around under this current leadership. 
I'm not exactly optimistic because they have given us no reason to be optimistic because the only things uh, that they're good for is lying, uh, legalizing marijuana, driving up deficits and debt. So, yeah. Uh, the deficit is, you know, it's quite close to what it is in the mid-90s, and uh, we, that's, that's just not, that's not very fun. Don't want to go through that. So what wasn't in this extremely detailed liberal economic plan? Well, it, there, uh, first of all, there wasn't a detailed timeline and how the vaccine will be uh, rolled out. Uh, from what we know as of now, the vaccine won't be made uh, available to the public by like a whole year so generally we have to wait till like november 2021 december 2021 so that the general public will have access to the vaccine which is actually patently ridiculous compared to other to, to, to compare to other countries other g7 countries as christia freeland loves to compare ourselves to which uh if you compare ourselves to other g7 countries uh we're not doing good when it comes to uh, unemployment our unemployment rate is 8.9%, which sucks. But I got a little bit off topic. The The vaccine. So Great Britain and the United States, they're going to be uh, giving out their uh, their first shots of the vaccine, their first doses uh, to healthcare workers. And that's going to be happening in like a few weeks time. Like it's December 3rd as I'm recording this. So we could, we'll likely see um, vaccines like... December 15th-ish, like in a week or two. That's how close they are, and we are not close to that. We're going to, our first shots will be happening in spring to healthcare workers, which is not very good at all, and the general public will be getting it in winter next year, uh, while those other countries are probably going to be getting out to the general public in, like, summer. And that is because Justin Trudeau placed um, his chips, he placed his bets on a Chinese company. Why would you do that? This is a virus that came from China. It came from a, total, uh, a totalitarian dictatorship who concealed evidence uh, of this of, of COVID-19 before he's, they just spread it out to the entire world. And they concealed the amount of cases that they had, obviously. I mean, it's China. What else do you expect? They concealed the amount of deaths that they have. They are not in, in good favor with Canada. So, yeah, you place all your, uh, all your money. You placed your bets on this Chinese company. And as we know, as everybody knows, Chinese companies uh, have extremely close ties to the Chinese government because that's just how China works. You place all this, all your bets, you hedged your bets on this Chinese company, and guess what? China said, no, we're actually not going to be allowing Canada to get um, vaccine data. So we're at basically the back of the line of every other uh, major company, which uh, major country, sorry, which is just great, which is actually... Just wonderful. And obviously, there's no detailed timeline of the rollout of the vaccine because it doesn't actually look good. And um, you actually want to make sure that you uh, maintain political favor uh, with the Canadian public. And, you know, actually giving a realistic detailed timeline of the vaccine rollout won't make you look good. It'll make you look bad, which um, is just, you know, kind of a little dishonest. And uh, it would have been nice to get some honesty from the liberals every, every now and then. 
Also, uh, the Liberal government, they didn't tell us uh, when they expect uh, businesses to be able to uh, reopen since uh, a good portion of their spending will be going to small businesses and businesses who are uh, currently unable to operate or are operating at limited capacity. So obviously, your common sense dictates that, well, you should, since you're spending all this money on these businesses who have been affected by the pandemic, you have to have a plan of when they'll be reopening and how they'll be reopening, when, where, how. There was no plan uh, readily provided, which is uh, disappointing. So, so yeah, from what we can tell, the liberals want the general public to rely on the government. They don't want the general public to uh, or pull, like pull themselves up by their bootstraps, the typical conservative thing I know. But they don't want the general public to to do them, to rejuvenate the economy as we've been able to do for hundreds of years, basically. They want, the, the liberals want you to rely on the government and the government giving you funding. But they, they can only do that while they tax the daylights out of you and they tax the, the people who will be actually creating jobs to activate the economy. What the liberals' plan is, is, okay, well, we're going to be taxing all the people who create jobs, okay? And then we're going to be giving some of that money, you know, inconsistently to people who are struggling and don't have jobs. And we're going to be paying these people to not go to work. And that's like throwing a wrench into a transmission system. You shouldn't be doing that. That's like having a car with no oil. You can't do that. It's just going to seize up. The economic engine is just going to seize up. And yeah, we are probably going to get back to normal uh, sometime in the next four or five years. Or with, within the next half decade, we're probably going to get to pre-pandemic economic levels. But... From what I can tell, we we can do that a lot faster uh, if if it's not for the liberals stunting the growth of the economy by taxing the people who's actually going to be creating the jobs, who's actually going, who's actually the ones who are going to be, who are actually going to be rejuvenating the economy, and you're paying people to not go to work, which is wonderful. That is exactly what you should want to do in the Socialist Republic of Canada. So yeah, uh, they, they just want the general public to rely on the government, which is a terrible idea. The plan is just stupid, and um, yeah, it's just going to take longer to get back to normal life on an economic level. So that's what the Liberals said. What did the NDP say? So the NDP generally isn't happy with this. The conservatives aren't happy with this because um, you know it's it's a liberal economic plan. They can't really be happy with it. But the NDP isn't happy. I thought the NDP would be satisfied with this. You know, and during the throne speech, the NDP was satisfied with all the promises that Justin Trudeau made, which he will fulfill. I'd say a quarter, less than a quarter of them. So I thought, you know, okay, uh, they, they talked about a lot of spending. They talked about a lot of spending for child care. They talked about, uh, you know, the, you know sp- uh, funding for people to stay at home or while the, whether they are working uh, or not working from home. But the NDP isn't happy because they, they think that they are half-stepping, that they are going through half-commitments. They're not fully committing to things that they promised they said they would. Uh, and they said that they aren't spending enough money. 
not spending enough money. Jesus Christ, the, the, the deficit's projected to be almost $400 billion. You want them to spend more? Do you want an economic collapse? Sure. Let's go. Let's, let's do that. If we, if we fall, if we follow the, the NDP's plan, if we listened to everything that the NDP had to say and we actually took them seriously, we would all be dead. World War Five would have b- broken out by now, and uh, we uh, seven billion people would be dead, and there would only be like a this uh, civilization of five hundred thousand people left. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but Canada wouldn't be better for it if we listened to the NDP and their just radical left policies. They want to spend into oblivion. Are you serious? How much money do you want to buy? Or borrow, rather. And they're saying that this this spending, uh, this is just an act of uh, austerity. This is not an act of austerity. Really, the liberals should be spending less. This is not austerity. And... um, uh, this whole the whole the the economic plan is going to be uh, going through a confidence vote. Uh, the conser- uh, the conservatives or at least Aaron O'Toole has said he won't be backing it up. Uh, Pierre Polyver also criticized the, the plan. So more than likely, we're going to be seeing the conservatives vote against it. We're probably going to be seeing the Bloc Québécois vote against it because Yves Blanchet didn't have a very nice things to say about it. Uh, but we're probably going to see the NDP vote for it because that is what the NDP does. They just vote with, with the liberals on every single matter whatsoever. They bail the liberals out on everything. And um, since this is a confidence matter, they're obviously going to vote in favor for the liberals because they don't want an election, okay? I, I truly believe that, you know... Maybe Aaron O'Toole needs some more need, needs to have some more time as the leader of the Conservative Party to really build a rapport with the Canadian people. But if the, there is an election called, if if say for example, say in like uh, an extremely unlikely universe, in a parallel universe, with the NDP, they vote uh, no confidence. They vote against uh, the Liberals' economic plan. If they do that, they're not going to perform well. The NDP is probably going to lose even more seats than they did in 2019. Jagmeet Singh is an awful letter, uh, leader, okay? okay? He's not a leader. He's just a Twitch streamer, okay? He would rather go on Twitch with Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, one of the worst congresswomen in the United States, and play Among Us with a bunch of YouTubers than actually do work then actually look at some policy and be like oh our policy doesn't make any sense oh my god you know jamie Singh's an awful leader and that's why they lost seats in 2019 and if a snap election is called they will more than likely lose seats i believe that the conservatives for in in the in the event that there is a snap election called i believe that the conservatives have a good chance at gaining the prime ministership I don't believe that Justin Trudeau is extremely popular. He's from all metrics that we've seen, a lot of, a lot of people are uh, have extreme disdain for uh, Justin Trudeau, and not a lot of people have extreme likeness uh, to Justin Trudeau. You know, a lot of people are slightly committed to Trudeau, uh, and not a lot of people are really passionate about Trudeau. But a lot of people passionately don't like Trudeau. And um, there's not as much people that like are slightly leaning conservative, but a lot of people don't like Trudeau, and uh, I believe that it given the right campaign, give, you know, given the right talking points, you know, I believe Andrew Shear, 
you know, he, he was quite the milquetoast guy, but in, in the debates, he really confronted Trudeau, and I believe that really helped him in some way. You know, I believe that, it, it, honestly, if you run like a half-Trumpian, half-normal Canadian conservative uh, campaign, I believe you could really do it. Obviously, the Conservative Party are a, a little sell, sellouts, but it's the, the, be, the, the best that we have in Canada. You know, they are for abortion. They're for a whole lot of not really conservative things, not really traditionally conservative things. They're really only conservative on an economic front when it comes to social issues. They're not really conservative at all. They're really just liberal. Uh, if you take a, uh, a conservative... Uh, if you could take a conservative member of the House of Commons and you plop him into the U.S., half the times he'll be a Republican, half the time he'll be a Democrat. I went off topic, didn't I? Yeah, I did. But yeah, generally the NDP, they're not happy with this. Um, the NDP finance critic isn't really happy with this. He's saying that this, it's, it's, this is mirroring austerity, and it is not at all. Also, uh, they're probably still going to vote in confidence, though, because that is just what the NDP does. Anyway, moving on to the second topic of the day. A Trudeau-appointed senator, Mr. Yun Pao Wu. Uh, I'm probably butchering the name, but he is from Singapore. It is uh, spelled Y-U-E-N space P-A-U and then Wu. I know I say Wu. So Yun Pao Wu uh, was a, a man who was, raised in, who was born in Malaysia, raised in Singapore. He became the CEO of the Asia-Pacific Foundation of Canada. And uh, this was all before he became a senator that Justin Trudeau appointed. Now, generally, I wouldn't be talking about this man. But there's something important that he said, and it really shows where the Canadian left really lines up on a lot of issues and what they really think about our political adversaries, specifically China. So this this Trudeau-appointed senator, he expressed support for China. He wanted to see China succeed more than he wanted to see the United States succeed. Now, this is patently ridiculous, okay? So... Let me give some context. So, as I said, he was the CEO of the Asia Pacific Foundation of Canada. Uh, this is just, uh, this is a think tank that basically talks about uh, Canadian uh, Canadian relations with uh, Asian countries along the, around the world. It's pretty simple, right? So Wu uh, Yinpao Wu he participated he participated in an event ran by the Canada China Friendship Society. Um, First of all, that's a red flag because the Canada-China uh, Friendship Society has uh, known ties with uh, China and known ties with the Chinese government, known ties with Beijing. So as a Canadian senator, right there, that's a red flag. You shouldn't be participating in this event. But let's just say he was ignorant. So what did he say at this? What did, what did he say? So, quote, I'm, I'm quoting him, quote, We should signal clearly to the Chinese leadership that we want China to succeed in its economic aspirations, uh, end quote. And he also said, quote, This appears to me to be a difficult thing for Canada to say in the current context, but in a different world, in a different time, this would have been what one would call a diplomatic no-brainer, close quote. So what the fuck did he just say? What was that? So the first uh, quote here it appears to me that a uh, difficult thing to say, but he wants um, China to succeed in its economic aspirations. Now, 
you have to realize that China is not very friendly with Canada and China arbitrarily detained two Canadian citizens for absolutely no reason and that China or Chinese diplomats have threatened thousands of Canadians' lives. And you've got to just generally realize that this is just an evil government ran by evil people. So, yeah. And you also have to realize that China's economic aspirations ties directly with their non-economic aspirations, with their militaristic uh, aspirations. Their economic aspirations, the, the, their economy is going to be funding their uh, their military. And China is trying to expand their military. For what? We don't exactly know. But they're trying to expand their military, and that doesn't exactly look good. So you want the the government, you want the country to succeed. The country that unleashed a virus to us, uh, to the entire world, um, that that's just it, it's 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 extremely. And Yun Pao Wu, I, I kind of expect it from him. Not I'm not. This is not racist at all. Not racist, but he's from Singapore. I mean, it's kind of like it's believable. Maybe he he's just a traitor. I don't know. He immigrated to Canada. But he's sounding a lot like he should should have stayed in Singapore. That's for sure. Also, he's saying that in uh, in a different world, uh, you know, he says in the current context is a difficult thing to say. But in a different world, in a different time, him him wanting uh, China to succeed in his economic aspirations is a no brainer. Well, guess what? We are not in a different world. We're not in a different time. Okay, we shouldn't be theorizing, oh, if we were in a parallel universe, we would want China to succeed. But in our current universe, in our current time, in our current world, not on Mars, not on Pluto, not, not, on, not on Venus, on Earth, China is a communistic dictatorship. On Earth, China is oppressing millions of people in, in Hong Kong. The democratic... The state of Hong Kong, the independent democratic state of Hong Kong, they just invaded it and started oppressing all the people in Hong Kong. Okay, in, in, on Earth, on our Earth, they are enslaving millions of Muslims. On our Earth, they are propping up regimes like the Iranian regime and North Korea. They allow North Korea to, and, and a lot of these other tyrannical regimes to exist on earth, on our planet, in our time, in our universe. That is what China is. So I don't know why he's, you know, in a different world, in a different time. Like, no, we were in our current world, and you have to adjust to what we are going through right now. And right now, China is in awful, is ran by awful government, ran by awful people, okay? It is as simple as that. Right now... China is doing awful things. They are arbitrarily arresting two Canadians. Why should we why why should we want them to succeed? That is absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, this event once again was uh ran by the Canada China Friendship Society. So the moderator of this event who uh is unnamed for probably reasonable reasons like he doesn't want to be identified, he doesn't want his life to be ruined for being a uh Trader, the moderator for this event suggested that the U.S. is holding uh, the Canadian hostage for the uh, holding Canada hostage for the extradition of Meng Wanzhou, and that China is the victim here. 
China's the victim, okay? Meng Wanzhou committed crimes, okay? And Canada detained her, and she's going to be extradited to the United States because she committed crimes in the United States. And that's an agreement that Canada and the United States have had. It's an agreement, okay? And just because she's Chinese doesn't mean we should be showing her, you know, it doesn't mean we should be showing her her favor because of her ethnicity, because of the regime that she comes from, okay? That is extreme. It's just ridiculous, okay? Canada is not being held hostage by the United States. Canada is not being held hostage by an agreement that they agreed with the United States, okay? Canada is not being held hostage by the United States. You know why? Because the United States isn't a communist dictatorship. The United States is actually quite a free country, just like Canada. It's a democratic society, just like Canada. Okay, if Canada really didn't want to extradite Meng Wanzhou, they wouldn't extradite Meng Wanzhou. And what's the United States going to do? Send troops over over the border? If China was right under Canada and we didn't extradite uh, and, and we and we extradited the United States to the overseas United States, China would more than likely just walk over our borders and like kill half of our people because there's only like 33 of us or 35 million of us. So yeah, we no, we should not be showing uh, China favor. It's 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 stupid. The United States is not holding us hostage. They, we're actually cooperating with the United States, which is something we should be. I don't understand why Canadians feel as if the United States is like just evil Canada. It's like the evil fascist Canada. It doesn't make any sense. We should be trying to cooperate with China. Like, or no, we should not be trying to cooperate with China. We should be trying to cooperate with the United States infinitely more than we should be trying to, co- to cooperate with China. Also, the moderator said that he's ho- that or Wu in the past, he said that he hopes and prays for China's success every night. So when I go to bed every night, I pray to God, uh, I say a prayer, and then I go to sleep, right? What uh, Yin Pa Wu does is uh, he bows before the almighty Justin Trudeau, who appointed him as senator, and uh, then he goes on his bed and he prays, Oh, China, please we want you. I want you to have economic success. Okay, that's not racist. That's a joke. Okay, but he said he prays every night for China to have economic success. Well, I ho- do you pray for all those Muslims to be released? I don't think so. Do you do you pray for all those slaves to be released? I don't think so. All right, it's it's stupid why he pl- prays for the the evil people and that evil government. Anyway, moving on from ridiculous Chinese senators, I'm going to talk about a ridiculous former president. Now, who our former presidents are still alive? Well, we have Bush, he's still alive. Clinton is still alive. Obama, ding, 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 ding. Obama, the ridiculous former president. And he needs to be stopped. We need to stop him ASAP, okay? Because over the past few months, he's just been going on a tear. You know, that's kind of what he did for eight years in the presidency and, you know, consistently after. But, you know, he's he's definitely escalated. He's, he's ramping up his efforts. These past few months, Barack Obama has just been going nuts when it comes to just doing things in the public eye. 
that just makes him look better than he actually is. He's he's an egomaniac, okay? He's, he has a big ego, and uh, he, needs, he needs to make sure that the public knows that he was actually a good president, that he actually did good things as the, in the presidency, and he needs the public to know that he's, he's actually a better president than Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is like, the out of the, all 45 presidents, he's like 45th. And out of all 45 presidents, uh, Barack Obama's like number one. It's Obama... And then, like, FDR, and then, like, Lyndon B. Johnson in Obama's mind. But Obama, number one. Trump, not, not good. Not good. Anyway, so at the, so let's, let's go through a timeline of events, right? So at the Democratic National Convention, Barack Obama, he, he just went berserk on Donald Trump, okay? It is generally a thing where the past president... Uh, doesn't criticize a current president. For example, Clinton doesn't criticize Bush. Bush doesn't criticize Obama. But Obama's like, no, I'm black. You know, black power. I'm a. I'm like the moral, like just the arbiter of good. I am just the the symbol, the universal symbol of good. I'm the universal symbol of hope and unity. And Donald Trump is the universal uh, symbol of fascism, racism, hatred. So I must criticize him. I'm not saying you can't, and I'm saying not saying he shouldn't have. I think it's actually kind of stupid that uh, past presidents can't criticize the current president because, you know, there's freedom of speech. It's a free country. But we know why Obama's doing it. It's not because... It's not because Donald Trump's a bad president because, quite frankly, for the four years that he has served, not a bad president. But it's because... Barack Obama needs to make sure that the public knows that he is actually a better president than they actually think he is. That he actually did things. What things he did as the president? Well, we have to remain silent about that because, you know, we don't need to provide evidence to that for that claim. Anyway, so yeah, Barack Obama during the DNC, he just criticized Donald Trump left, right, and center for being bad. He's a mini tyrant. He's an authoritarian. He lowered taxes, which makes him an authoritarian. Right? Anywho. Uh, yeah, and he's just saying he's done a bad job handling COVID-19. Who did a good job handling COVID-19? Dun, 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 nobody. No, but nobody did it. No, nobody did a good job handling COVID-19. Canada didn't do it. Canada's going through terrible uh, circumstances with COVID-19. Europe. No European country's done a good job. And um, Donald Trump's COVID policy, just killing people. It's not like Andrew Cuomo didn't send a bunch of young people with COVID-19 into nursing homes, killing off the old people. No. Uh, you know, Donald Trump actually didn't do that. Andrew uh, Cuomo did do that. But you're not, we're not criticizing Cuomo because he's a Democrat. We're going to criticize Donald Trump, who actually gave power to the states, which is what he should be doing. It is the state, the states, ha, the states, all, all the different states have unique circumstances and the governors adapt to those circumstances. They adapt to the circumstances of their respective states. That is what should be doing. If Donald Trump really was a mini tyrant, he would have taken control of the federal government. He would have taken control and just said, you have to do this and you can or can't lock down or you can and can't have a mass mandate. And just dictated everybody. But he's not an authoritarian. He's not a fascist. He's not a tyrant. He's not a Nazi. Okay. But, you know, we can't use common sense. 
So uh, the, when the day of the election was closing in, like the past week, two weeks before the uh, before uh, November third, before the election day, uh, Obama, Barack Obama, he went on campaign for Joe Biden. Uh, and he was campaigning for Joe Biden harder than Joe Biden was campaigning for Joe Biden. That was more than likely because Joe Biden just couldn't campaign for himself. But Joe Biden, he was just like, I'm going to take a Monday as an off day and Tuesday as an off day and Wednesday and Thursday. I'm going to take the whole week off uh, because I can't campaign. But Barack Obama, he, he, he you know, took out the, short, the sword and shield and was really just fighting for his guy, Joe Biden. He, you know, he went to multiple rallies. You know, they're dead because all, all the Democratic rallies were dead. They had zero people, just like five people distanced out in a square, in 100 meters of square feet. No, that made absolutely no sense. It, within a 100 meter radius, it's like five people in it. Right. Uh, but yeah, Barack Obama just went crazy campaigning for Joe Biden because Joe Biden was unable to. And uh, we need to make sure that Joe Biden is the president at any cost. So while all of this, uh, this, all this, this shenanigans was going on, Michelle Obama was also getting in at the action, uh, even at the DNC. Uh, with the DNC, you know, it was, it was quite the ironic, it was very ironic the things that she was saying. And it didn't really make a whole lot of sense what she was saying. Um, I when I, I remember watching it, I, I didn't watch the DNC live, but I remember watch. I, I watched the whole thing, uh, the whole Michelle Obama speech, or if you could call it that. Uh, but Miss M- Michelle Obama, she said that uh, the president has the power to broker peace and to start war. Well, okay, Barack Obama, he started unconstitutional war with Libya. No, and he just basically droned the shit out of thousands of innocent people in the Middle East. What did Donald Trump do? He signed peace deals, multiple peace deals. He brokered peace. Uh, Barack Obama started war. Is it that ironic? And she just said a lot of hypocritical things, uh, she, she, or, or just things that just don't make any sense whatsoever. She talked about uh, Black Lives Matter. And, and just her just her support for Black Lives Matter, the, the movement that wants to defund the police, which will hurt black communities that don't stand for the, uh, like, 8,000 black people that are, are killed every year, but want to stand for, like, the eight or, the like, the 14 people that were killed at the hands of uh, police uh, last year. And the, I believe at the time of the DNC, eight people that were killed at the hands of the police. But, you know, the 8,000 people that are killed at the hand of uh, other black people, nah, they're not important. You know, those 8,000, nah, we're going to focus on those eight. Right. So, yeah, back to Barack Obama. Barack decided that it was a fantastic idea to write and release a book. Now, I'm not going to buy his book and read his book because I'm not going to support uh, him because he, he, he has a big enough ego already. You know, he's already going to sell uh, 1.5 million copies of his book. He doesn't need to sell 1.5 million books and one. So, yeah, I'm not going to buy them. But he decided it was a fantastic idea to write and release a book that is almost as large as his ego. It is, seven, is more than 750 pages. That is almost as large as his ego. And uh, the thing is... 
that this book is only part one. It's a memoir, and it's only part one. There's probably be like part two and three, and it's 750 pages. Imagine if the second one is just as long. It's like 1,500 pages. It's like the length of the Bible. Jesus Christ. Ha <laughs> ha. Get it? Length of the Bible. Jesus Christ. That's a funny one. Yeah, Barack Obama has been making his rounds uh, because of the releasing of the book and because the election happened so recently. He's been making his rounds or, 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 or at a bunch of shows and radio shows and talk shows or whatever. Uh, he went on The Breakfast Club to talk uh, to radio hosts who specialize in music. So he went to The Breakfast Club to talk with people that don't know... Don't, I'm sure they they follow politics. Charlemagne the God and uh, the other three, DJ Ghost. I, I do watch The Breakfast Club occasionally. Uh, that is, I only watch the two Takashi 6 9 interviews because I don't like Takashi's music, but those interviews were entertaining. Uh, but yeah, the, they specialize in music, and Barack Obama's like, hey, uh, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to The Breakfast Club, and I'm going to talk to these people, and uh, I'm going to say that uh, uh, Black Lives Matter it, it is great. Donald Trump is a tyrant. And uh, the Latin people who uh, voted for Trump, they're actually racist. Yeah, that is actually something that uh, Barack Obama said. Barack Obama suggested that uh, all the Latin people, all the Cuban voters that uh, voted for Donald Trump are racist against Latin people and they are racist against Cuban people. Whoa, yay! Common sense. We love Democrats. But really, that is the standard that Democrats are really setting. If, they, if you don't vote for them, you are racist. You are a bigot, okay? It's either vote for the, the, the pure and holy or you're, you're going to get chastised and you're extremely evil. You know, people who come from Cuba, they escaped communism. They don't want to come in a country that's supposed to be the land of uh, free, the, the free and prosperity. They don't want to come into this land and be like, oh, that, that party over there, they, they want socialism, AOC, and uh, Ilhan Omar and the squad and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, that party? You think the Cubans are going to vote for that party or should vote for that party or expected to vote for that party? You think Venezuelan people should or are expected to vote for that party when they escaped socialism? No! Heck, fuck no. If I was Cuban... That, like that, I would never vote Democrat. Even if the Republicans put up Mitt Romney again, I would vote Republican. <laughs> oh my God! But yeah, if you're a Latin and you vote for Donald Trump, if you're a Latin, vote for Donald Trump. You're racist. Uh, it's stupid. Anyway, he also went to talk with Stephen Colbert, and uh, I, I only saw a few clips. I I couldn't bear watching the whole thing. Because it was basically nationally televised porn. Stephen Colbert gave Barack Obama the 360 vacuum seal suckety suck blowjob. It was insane. It was like the like the, the most graphic pornographic scene that you've ever seen. Times two. Okay, it was insane. It should not have been broadcast. Uh, Stephen Colbert was just going ta to town on uh, Barack Obama's uh, schlang because that is what he was doing. Stephen Colbert was just sucking him off the entire. It was it was ridiculous. He was just stroking Obama's 
long ass ego. <laughs> anyway, uh, Barack Obama also went on a Snapchat show called Good Luck America. I do have Snapchat on my phone. I hate Snapchat, but I only have Snapchat for one reason. Um, but there's a page of like a whole bunch of stories made by companies. Uh, you know, some uh, GQ, some uh, Pod Save America has their own like little thing on Snapchat. You know, I don't really listen to Pod the whole podcast on Pod Save America. I just get my snippets of Pod Save America there because uh, I lo- I watch and listen to both arguments and I come to my own conclusions. But yeah, uh, Good Luck America is supposed to be an unbiased thing. I do watch a little bit of Good Luck America uh, when it's when I see when it's there. I'm like I'm really really bored. And uh, the host, it's a white guy. I don't, I don't know his name. I don't really care to know his name either. But from what I see, he tries to present himself as unbiased, but he definitely has a democratic bias. Like he hold, he like he. I think he hosted like one uh, Republican who was going, who was running for Congress. It was like a, a disabled man. He's quite young. I, I quite enjoyed the segment, but like he, he's always like you know giving out like jabs at Donald Trump and kind of like Joe Biden that guy's pretty good Donald Trump he got COVID I don't really like him but he tries to present himself as unbiased so naturally Barack Obama he goes on the on the show on Good Luck America and Barack Obama said something that I half agree with he said uh, defunding uh, the, the slogan defunding the police not good messaging yeah, it's not good messaging. It's also not good policy. But Barack Obama actually believes in this policy. Uh, Barack Obama joined the show and he said that defund the police is good policy with bad messaging. But really, defund the police is just bad policy with bad messaging because it is a stupid idea. It's not going to help black communities. It's actually going to harm black communities a lot. And uh, we see a little bit of that, or see quite a bit of that in Canada with uh, carding and how they just got rid of that and crime ballooned by 178%. But yeah, <clears throat> so yeah, members of the Democratic squad, you know, they, they, it was Avengers Assemble, the, the, the radical left assemble, progressives assemble. The, you know, Barack Obama is in agreement with them. Barack Obama's like, yeah, we should defund the police. But don't say defund the police because um, we need to be a bit more sneaky about this. You know, we should um, subtract uh, monetary funds from these law enforcement agencies. That might be a bit more attractive than defund the police. Uh, Subtract uh, uh, monetary funds from law enforcement agencies. You know, it's not really a good chat. Defund the the police is a better chat. But it's it's about the messaging. It's about the wording of your bad policy. It's not about good policy. It's not it's not about that at all. It's about how you message your your bad policy. That's what it is about. But the members of the squad they weren't happy about this because this whole defund the police. It's this is a whole conco- this is their concoction. So. Ilhan Omar, your resident anti-Semite, uh, your resident anti-Semite Democratic Congresswoman, spoke out saying, quote, We lose people in the hands of police. It's not a slogan, but a policy demand. And centering the demand for equitable investments and budgets for communities across the country gets us progress and safety, close quote. So, yeah. Uh, we lose people at the hands of police. Yeah, we lose far more people uh, at the hands of other people. It's not a slogan, but a policy demand. 
yeah, it's a crappy slogan. It's a crappy policy demand. Duh, Barack Obama's making the argument that it's a crappy slogan, and like any normal person is making a, the argument it's a crappy policy demand. And centering the demand for equitable investments and budgets uh, uh, for c- communities across the country gets us progress and safety. Well, yeah, no. Fund the police more because that's actually going to help communities. Oh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, came out saying that that using polite language isn't going to get the movement. This is not a direct quote, but uh, using polite language isn't going to get uh, the movement anywhere and getting people uncomfortable will work. That's paraphrasing, but that's generally what she said. You know, using polite language, not going to get you anywhere. We've got to, you know, get like under people's skin. We've got to get under the racist conservative skin. Well, guess what? Using polite language is, or, or let me rephrase, Political correctness is a thing of Democrats. Democrats are the number one pushers of political correctness. You cannot say any... That's why Donald Trump... That's why a lot of Democrats just can't stand Donald Trump. Because he's not politically correct. And we should appreciate that he's not politically correct. Yes, he says some things that are just not fun for me at all. Or just not fun for anybody. Right? But he's not politically correct. He says what's on his mind, and he's not like a just a just massively filtered like Barack Obama, for example, which is what which is exactly what he wants. He wants to see a more politically correct thing. He wants to see a massively filtered out message to actually get convince people that this bad policy is actually pretty good. But yeah, the the left is the number one purveyors of of, uh, of political correctness, and it's actually very hypocritical that AOC said this. Cory Bush spoke similar talking points, referencing uh, yeah, people dying at the hands of police, like Michael Brown. Michael Brown attacked a police officer before him being shot. Uh, I wrote an essay that I have yet to film, but I wrote an essay, and part of it talks about how Michael Brown was shot and uh, he was attacking the police officer and Barack Obama's Department of Justice found that the officer didn't commit a crime. Great. Great. Good job, Cory Bush. Picking your examples uh, really well. Rashida Tlaib uh, also compared compared uh, the defund the police movement to the action Rosa Parks took. We, that is actually the most disgusting thing ever. You know, Ilhan Omar, AOC, Cory Bush... Whatever, you're dumb for think or saying what you're saying. But Rashida Tlaib comparing the defund the police uh, movement to uh, the action that Rosa Parks uh, took, it's disgusting. It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, Rosa Parks actually stood for something important that was affecting millions of black people while the BLM and the defund the police movement is cowardly and they only stand up for like the 14 people that fit their narrative instead of standing up for the thousands of people that are truly being effective, affected by this. But yeah, Obama pissed off the progressive left, and I think it's a little funny. Speaking of funny, uh, I just want to include a, uh, a, a light-hearted topic uh, before I get into the last topic. Uh, it's really you know good to relax a little. Politics are stressful. And um, so yeah, Adolf Hitler won an election in Africa. And I'm being serious. I know this is supposed to be funny and this is supposed to be a lighthearted thing. But Adolf Hitler rose from the dead, decided to win a, uh, a city council seat in Africa. He didn't actually uh, rise from the dead. But a politician from Namib- Namibia, Namibia named Adolf Hitler 
Yuyu Nona won a city council seat in a Namibian uh, city. And I think it's really funny that he won the vote. With, he won the seat with 85% of the vote. Jesus Christ. <laughs> a lot of Namibian people really like Adolf Hitler. Uh, so, yeah, how does he have the name Adolf Hitler? A very, very black man has the name Adolf Hitler. So his father uh, gave uh, Adolf Hitler uh, his name. With uh, so his full name Adolf Hitler, Yuyu Nona. So his father gave him that name, knowing who Adolf Hitler was, knowing that Adolf Hitler existed, but he didn't know what Adolf Hitler did, which I think is a lie. Okay, I'm pretty sure his father trolled the shit out of his son. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna give this kid like fuck this kid. I'm just gonna give this kid like a terrible name. I'm gonna name him Adolf Hitler. Because I think it's pretty funny, and uh, he's going to have to deal with it for the rest of his life. Or until he's like 18, and then he could change his name. Which he didn't change his name, mind you. Which is, like, if, if my parents named me Adolf Hitler Jarvis, I'm changing my name as soon as possible. I'm not going to be named Adolf Hitler. But yeah, the father named him. Knowing Adolf Hitler existed, but not knowing what he did... That, that that sounds like a whole bunch of bullshit. That sounds like a big pile. Like a democratic pile of bullshit. Anyway, Yu Yu Nona said uh, that when he realized uh, that he was named after one of the most evil men to ever walk the earth, um, he said that it was too late to change the name because uh, it was on all of his official documentation. Well, if I wanted to change my name, I could just change my name. Why, like, he could change his name if he wanted to, but apparently it's on his, all of his official documentation. He got his driver's license, and he doesn't want to change his name and have the change of name on his driver's license. Oh, big deal. Like, just change your name. Like, that's a terrible excuse, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, does he not know that you can, like, I, I don't know. Maybe in Namibia, you can't change your name. I don't know. Just, I, at this point, I would just emigrate change my name, and then move back, and then run for city council, and win uh, 75% of the popular vote, because that those 10% was like, oh, Adolf Hitler, fuck yeah, I'm voting for him. So yeah, I don't, I don't know, may, or maybe instead of uh, em- immigrating and changing your name, maybe you can just change your gender, and you get to change your name forever, uh, or as a for free. You know, Ellen Page or whoever her name is, and she's now Elliot Page. You know, she was a woman, uh, and she changed her name to Elliot because now she's a man. Well, I guess you, maybe, you know, you change your name from Adolf. You you know, you're a woman now, so maybe you change your name to, like, Alice or Addis or Aluf. You know, you got to still sound German. So Adolf, Aluf, Adolf, Addis. Who knows? Anyway, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. Anyway, last topic of the day, a bro- just a broad overview of the U.S. election process so far. Uh, it's been quite long, tiring, draining, but it is still going on, and it's still very important that it's still going on. So, so far, Joe Biden has been acting as if he is the president-elect, which he is not legally the president-elect. Just because the media declares you to be the president-elect doesn't mean that you are the president-elect. Uh, president 
but he has been acting as the president-elect, and he has been naming people to his potential cabinet. Uh, I want—I would like to talk about the, his cabinet picks on a later episode, but for now, it's important to know that he has been naming people to his cabinet, and a lot of progressives have just been making demands of diversity. You have to have... X amount of black people, and you have to have X amount of women, and you have to have X amount of Latin people, X amount of Asians. It's it's tiring. I, I don't envy what Joe Biden has to do. It's so much simpler if, if, you, if you're a Republican. You just nominate the most qualified people possible as a Republican, but as a Democrat, you don't appoint the most qualified people possible. You have to account for people's race, which is racist. But I'll talk about that later on. But Joe Biden has been speaking about what his uh, policies in the in his first hundred days is, and what his first day in office will look like. His first days in office will look like uh, making sure that men are able to um, at, uh, able to use women's uh, restrooms, which is uh, very very nice. And he also uh, wants uh, a mask mandate, which is also very very nice, saying that that will help limit the spread. Even though in countries that there are mask mandates, like uh, Canada, that didn't help limit the spread. There's still a second wave. There's still record breaking numbers of cases. It's just no. But probably the most important thing right now that is happening is the Georgia runoffs. So in the Georgia senatorial race, Georgia has a weird system where if you don't get more than you get if you don't get fifty percent or more of the vote, you have to do like a re-election. Uh, I believe that like the Republicans got like forty nine whatever, and then uh, the the Democrats basically lost by like a hundred thousand votes. But since they didn't get fifty percent, uh, they had to do a redo and. Um, yeah, so right now it is the incumbent Kelly Loeffler and uh, David Perdue, and they're trying to hold their seats off against uh, Raphael Warnock, who is a radical leftist, as well as against uh, John Ossoff. So it, it, is, it is very important that they retain those seats uh, because that can mean the difference between uh, a Republican-run Senate and Kamala Harris just coming in and be like, yep, that is a uh, past bill. So the Lincoln Project, who is the Lincoln Project? The Lincoln Project is a bunch of re- Republicans who um, basically decided to leave the party because Donald Trump was the candidate in 2016 and in 2020, and uh, they don't like Donald Trump very much, so um, they, they, they just go against whatever Trump is. He, they're anti-Trump Republicans, but they're not Republicans. They're just anti-Trump, anti-Republican the liberal, the, the Lincoln Project, they, they don't like Trump, but they are pushing really hard for Democrats to win in the Georgia Senate, senatorial race. Why are they doing this? Well, if the, if the Democrats win or if the Republicans win, it won't change uh, whether or not Trump gets in as the president, right? So naturally, if you are a Republican, if you are, a, if you are actually somebody who has strong ideas, ideals if you're someone who is ideological uh, ideologically sound or who doesn't just switch on a dime flip on a dime uh, on a dime based on you know what is expedient if you're an actual consistent human being you would actually want to see republicans win the senate but they are actually not republicans they are actually democrats and that is why they want to see the democrats win 
uh, win the Senate race, which is actually ridiculous. It's not despite Trump. It's despite Republicans. It is despite conservatives because they are not Republicans. They are not conservatives. They are left-wingers dressing up as it, uh, as, as conservatives. But their costume really fucking sucks, okay? Anyway, uh, talking uh, about the whole senatorial race, uh, Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood... Um, they, they, I, I think they were, they were part of the Trump team, and then they started making some outlandish claims, and then they got dumped. Uh, Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood, they're going through their own independent lawsuits, uh, with all the lawsuits that's going on in many, many of these, uh, swing states that went Biden. They're conducting their own independent lawsuits, uh, where they're alleging, um, extreme allegations, like how millions of votes for Trump were switched over for Biden, how the Dominion voting systems are foreign-made cheat machines, and the claims are a little ridiculous. There's not a lot of evidence to back them up. But what I want to talk about right now is that Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood decided it was a good idea to tell potential GOP voters not to vote in the Georgia runoff elections. That is right. People who want to see Donald Trump as the president are telling uh, or, or just they want to see this Republican as the president. They're telling Republicans not to vote for the Republicans to gain the set to gain a Senate majority, that is stupid. It is beyond stupid. Okay, if you really cared about the GOP and you really cared about not having Biden as a president, or if he does become the president, not having him just run right through ram bills right through the House and the Senate, if you actually cared about that, you would actually want to see the Republicans win the Senate. That's like their only line of defense because the Democrats, they have the House, they have the presidency, and for the Republicans to have the Senate, they would be quite balanced. But no, they uh, are idiots, uh, to be honest. They're, you know, if, you, if you're not able to provide any evidence whatsoever to your, for your claims or very limited evidence that isn't going to help pr prove your point of that set, Trump was robbed of millions of votes... If you can't do that, you're an idiot. And uh, if you're suggesting people shouldn't vote in the senatorial race, you're an idiot. You, you really don't want to see a 50-50 situation in the Senate where Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker because she's just going to go uh, vote, in, uh, vote for Democrats. Anyway, so uh, to, to elaborate on this, Lynn Wood in the past has donated a ton of money to Democrats, so it's actually not surprising that he's suggesting things that would benefit Democrats. Anyway, so just to uh, finish up, there are many, <clears throat> I already said there's many lawsuits going on. So these lawsuits include uh, lawsuits in, in Arizona, uh, and they're concerning uh, mail-in ba ba ballot procedures. Uh, in Georgia, Cindy Powell is doing her thing as she's alleging Dominion uh, voting systems switched over uh, votes for Trump uh, as for the mail-in ballots. The vote switched it over votes for Trump over to Biden and the whole Smartmatic uh, software. And they're from Venezuela, and they're not a lot. There's not a lot of evidence to go along with it. Um, also in Georgia, Sidney Powell is doing her thing, uh, also in Michigan, Sidney Powell is doing her thing, in Nevada, Donald Trump's, uh, campaign is suing because authorities, quote, developed and implemented an election system that was highly susceptible, susceptible, susceptible to fraud and abuse, quote, close quote, 
uh, Trump's campaign is also desperately trying to block certification in Pennsylvania, and they're bringing a case to the United States Supreme Court to block certification in Pennsylvania. So far, they have not seen success blocking the certification, but they're going to the Supreme Court, and um, we have a 6-3 advantage of conservatives in the Supreme Court, and that can really change the tides in how Pennsylvania uh, goes. And also in Wisconsin, uh, they're trying to throw mail-in ballots because uh, they're illegitimate. Anyway, that is just the gist of the lawsuits. There's a lot more details that I could go into, but there's it, it, it's it's um, it's not looking good for the Trump campaign. You know, you still gotta hold out hope. Uh, hopefully, these the rest of the lawsuits uh, go in Trump's favor, and maybe there's a possibility that he would be able to win the presidency, but. From what we've seen so far, there's not a lot of success. There's not a lot of luck on Trump's side. And um, unfortunately, it's likely we'll be seeing Biden as the president. Hopefully not. Anyway, that is all that I have for today. Uh, this I think it's a longer episode uh, of the Info Hit. I talked about the uh, fiscal update that the Canadian liberals gave that sucked. I talked about the Canadian uh, senator that sucked. I talked about Barack Obama and how he needs to be stopped. I talked about Adolf Hitler in 2020, and I also talked about, or actually just reviewed the uh, U.S. election process. Thank you for listening or watching, uh, listening on podcast platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, Pod, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, um, etc. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, I will be uh, doing this next week.